Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Hola, buenos dias, and welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. As we are entering Black History Month, it's important to understand our allyship and our community change makers within our extended networks and ecosystems to be put on these platforms to help us share in our narrative, our story, and our legacies that we can build together. As I have always said in other podcasts, we have strength in numbers, and it is my privilege and pleasure to welcome Talib Jassar. He is a founder, leadership advisor, CEO, author, and podcast producer. Talib is a creative entrepreneur, author, and success coach and podcast producer. He founded the Afros and Audio Podcast Festival in 2018, the first two-day conference for and by Black podcast creatives and audio professionals. He also has a Vanguard podcast network that he created in 2020, which is a podcast production company. Talim has dedicated his career to helping individuals and brands reach their goals, drive meaningful change, and create equitable spaces for everyone. So let's welcome Talib to Latinas from the Black to the Boardroom. I'm so excited to have you here on the show. And as we've talked in the past with previous guests, we have a lot of our community builders and allies that we're bringing to the show and the platform because unity together, in my opinion, brings strength in numbers. And we networked through podcast movement in Denver at the Lipson event, which networking, you know, I continuously talk about is really powerful When you meet people with like minds and you share the same energy, it's a juggernaut that will take you very far. So I think you and I share a lot of the same kind of goals in championing a lot of change for communities, but that takes a lot of strength. And you do this a lot through the power of story. So if we could just go, let's wind it back here a little bit to storytelling. Like where did that come from? And then how did it propel you forward into bringing this podcasting business and coaching together? Sure. Well, I've always been a writer. Like that was my thing when I was younger. I started with uh, poetry and stories and short stories and that sort of thing. So I've been a writer for as long as I can remember. I always enjoyed it. And I recognized early in the way in which people reacted of how powerful words can be. And so that made me very intrigued, fascinated with the power of words, the power of language, and the power of story. I grew up with five generations alive and uh, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and, you know, so on and so forth. But I remember a African-American or Black-American folklore book in the house and I would just read through it and read through it. And some of them scared the shit out of me. A lot of them that made me not sleep well at night. But just was always fascinated because if it could invoke that in me, right? And I'm just reading words on a page, 
then this is a powerful medium that exists. Yeah, yeah. Feel you on that. We have a lot of folklore with Latinos and like La Llorona and, you know, El Cucuy and things like that. Like, you know, they're going to come and get you in the middle of the night if you're not a good person. Right. And it's like, what is that all about? Right. And there's even more. And it's like, why do you want to scare little kids and stuff? Like, like, why? It's like, it's about obedience. And it's like, can we just have joy when we're young? I mean, come on. So bringing community together through storytelling is, I think, what you and I share in podcasting. That's why I started. But it was more around awareness and technology and education about how we exist online. We know the tropes and the, the stereotypes and things that exist outside and through storybooks for generations, you know, that have been written about us. And that lens comes through in technology, right? Which I've shared with you. And that was my whole purpose because as a business owner and for, you know, people of color, for us to be recognized in that capacity of leadership, it doesn't come through from search, right? So when I discuss your community events and bringing people together, you know, let's talk about Afros and audio. And how did you pull folks into that community space? Because a lot of this narration and storytelling and how we communicate now is all through technology. Absolutely. So, you know, the other piece to my love for storytelling was the audio. And so I remember being a kid, my mother is an English major and, you know, she graduated and she's got a master's and stuff. My great, my grandmother was a librarian. And so I remember there being a hotline where I could call the library at like six years old with the rotary. And I would do that. Now I was hogging up the line, right? So I had to hang up if somebody caught me, but I would call that library line and listen to the story. And then there was also cassette tapes that my grandmother would bring home and I would play them. And so it was always kind of like this audio experience for me, even as a kid. And then go into audio dramas, radio dramas. That was something that I discovered first as a kid watching A Christmas Story, which everybody knows, most people know anyway. And um, watching Ralphie like get at that radio and sit there and, and decode and stuff like that. It's like, what is going on here? Like, I have the television because I'm watching him, but he has a radio and he's all in, right? And so that was fascinating. Like he has to use his whole imagination to be in this space, right? To imagine everything. And then the catalyst for like my own audio fiction, rom-com, it was a show, a radio show called the Rush Park Morning Show, where I grew up in the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia. And um, it happened every morning in the backseat of my mother's car, driving to school. And they would play like this one minute soap opera. I hated it. It was the worst thing I ever heard in my life. But they were so dramatic. You literally were there. They were doing so much. Right. But I couldn't see anything. And so that was again, this was a something that just kind of fortified for me that, wow, this is really a dope way of creativity and of telling stories. And so Afros and Audio started because in 2017, I created a limited edition audio fiction called The Fussings Until One of Us is Dead. Get it? Till death do us part. And so it's still available uh, wherever you stream. But that that's what I did in 2017. And so Afros and Audio actually started because I was looking for community and support and resources around being a Black creative in the audio drama space 
And at that time, it is not what it is today. Today, we have Black audio dramas exist. And we have more Black creators in the space of audio dramas. But when I did it, it was me, it was Lawrence Tate, Brownsville, and it was Issa Rae's Fruit. And there may have been others, but those were the ones that came up when you did a search. And so I created Afros and Audio because I couldn't find any community around me. And so I decided to build it. But again, wasn't what it is today. So it went nowhere fast. You know, I, I created the website. I did the logo. All the logo and everything is the same from then. Afros and Audio is the same from then. But it was no podcast festival in my sites at all when I created it in 2018. It was really about building community. And then it pivoted into the festival with what everybody knows today. Yeah. So what I was thinking was why it's so important for us to have these creative spaces. That's something that I wanted to talk about with you because, you know, we're seeing more and more collectives. And especially today, we need these spaces to really thrive. Because as we see when we go to other spaces, it's not hard to navigate because we show up and that's the first thing you need to do. But the second thing is you want to see more of our take on the audio creative. You know, we're being brought into the arena a little bit more, but it's a slow go. But tell us why Afros and Audios really builds that safe, creative community. Yeah, absolutely. And I think whether it's cultural or whether it's a talent or or something that you want to do, having a collective space where people are doing the same thing can relate to you. When I lived in New York, I would go to the New York Writers Coalition and, and go to those rooms and sit and write. And that was a space where I felt like, okay, I'm around some people that know what I what I know, that this is this is where we want to be. Um this is what we want to do. And so for Afros and Audio, it's really an opportunity, in my opinion, Again, this started in 2018 and in 2019. So what we are seeing today, especially after the last few years, everything has increased, right? The visibility has increased and the access has increased. But at that point, everything wasn't really mainstream. So you have these communities and these collectives that are around. For me, I come from community. I was brought up on a farm in a place that was none but brown people around me. And we bartered and and this happened way before I was born, right? The more of a sustenance type of lifestyle and community. And so I know what that feels like very, very well. And I know what it feels like when it's real, when it's truly about supporting resources. And it's not about how can I get a group of people together so that I can take from them. No, it's about how can we get a group of people together so that we can learn and grow together. And so that's what Afros and Audio really is about. It's very intentional. If it's not for me as a coach, as just the person that I am that I've grown into being, if it's not a transformational situation and I'm I'm really don't have any interest in it. I'm not a transactional type of human. And so I want it to be a space where we're going to grow, we're going to learn, and we're going to also feel like this is fuel to go back out into the world and deal with it. Because at the end of the day, that's what, that's where we got to be. Yeah, we've gone through a lot of stress over the last few years. It just seems like for us as people of color, especially also women of color, all of us together collective, it just seems like the punches just keep rolling out to us. Like, when can we have joy? When can we feel empowered? 
when can we actually start to really thrive instead of surviving? You know, that's like the mode I would love for us to just shift in our minds. So bringing that up, you have a coaching practice. So I really started this life coaching work because I was in my own need for awareness, right? I tell people, you know, when I do speak about life in general, that my head was so screwed up my ass, I had no idea it was up there. And so I acted accordingly, right? I acted accordingly, whether it was self-doubt, fear, asshole behaviors, all of these things, right, that I had no awareness of, which is most people. We just moving through the world and until there's a disruption, then that's when we're like, oh, it's me that's doing that. <laughs> it's not the world doing this to me. And so and so I started this coaching. I just went to the Institute of Professional Excellence and Coaching, which is a big coaching organization. And this was over a year of my life, over $10,000 of my money and hundreds of hours of peer coaching, being coached, switching this and going back to another peer coaching, you know, being coached. And so for me, I'm a type of person that competence builds confidence. I cannot go out here half-assed in anything because I'm going to look like it. <laughs> it's going to be evident. So I need to really get into anything that I'm going to put forth. And so that work that I began in 2015 is when I received my coaching certification through IPEC and I'm, I'm dual certified. It was really about finding myself inside of this, right? Understanding how I was contributing to the world and how I was contributing to the experience that I was having in this world. And, you know, I have several philosophies and euphemisms. And one of them is that life is not short. It's the longest thing that you or I are going to ever experience. So with that said, how do I be in pursuit of the life that I want to experience here and now, right? Because we can't pretend that life doesn't run out on people, right? And so that was the beginning. 2015 It's like, I need to get into my own awareness work, which I didn't know coaching was going to be awareness work. I didn't know that was going to be my first opportunity to understand who I am and why things were occurring the way they were and how that can be transformed and transmuted in a way that supports and gives rather than takes. And so I started the work because I'm good at giving advice. I'm good at talking to people. I'm good at, you know, wisdom. I, I'm a person who doesn't just receive information. I'm going to apply the information. You can't just go out doing things without the actual training and technique that's involved and really understanding your craft. And so the work was for me to get training around being a coach and actually having the capacity and ability to do it good and do it well. The awareness work was a surprise and, and something I, I didn't expect. Wow. And so when you say the awareness, I'm sure as a lot of us do, we go, we're unpacking, like we're tearing off the layers, so to speak, that we didn't know. I mean, we know, but we just don't want to address them. And so when you were in that mode and just listening to your background, how it was very community oriented, I'm sure there was like a pivotal moment where something in there came out where you're like, hey, I thought this is the way it's supposed to be. And then it became something else for you. And taking that experience and transformation, as we were talking about, into where you are today, providing community, support, story, how did that all become a vector point, if you will, right? It's really about, for me, it's like, it's where 
your life begins to expand, right? And so when I talk about awareness work, I really am talking about the socialized influences and behaviors that we pick up through our parents, our education, our society in, in general. We don't know what we don't know, period. And so we have a lot of people in our lives that I used to say something when I was younger where I was like, you can't fight delusion because I'm like, what's happening here? Are we really arguing about this because it doesn't even make any sense? But then I realized, oh, you like awareness of yourself. <laughs> That's why we're having this argument and vice versa. Right. I lack awareness. So I'm I'm standing on business about things that it don't make no sense. But that's because I lack awareness of myself and how I'm contributing to the experiences that I'm having in my life. So, you know, I joke with men and, and other people like in your 20s, you know, the, everything is blowing up behind me and I'm smelling like gasoline, wondering what happened back there. Like, you know, what, y'all see that? Like, what happened? And I happened. I happened back there. Right. And so it's one of those things where the expansion of life simply begins when you start to move into having a different experience intentionally, right? And so intentionally, I knew I needed different people in my life. So I went and got them intentionally. Intentionally, I knew that there was something wrong and things kept blowing up behind me and I wasn't sure why. So maybe I should go try to figure out why, right? And so the expansion is that inside of that work, then I also found my own power. Oh, oh, okay. I'm not powerless. I'm not undeserving. How can I be undeserving of something that I've never even tried to do, right? How can I be unworthy of something that I have never, ever attempted? Those things are where you begin to realize, oh, wait, I'm the mountain in the way, right? And so, and so that, that's really how it happened. And so from coaching, I went into other intentional spaces to learn more about myself and learn more about ways of being that I could activate because that's something that we all have access to is decisions and choices. And so when that work began, then I was in another program and we had goals. And one of my goals was I want to create a radio a audio drama because I wanted to do this for years and I just never did it because I don't believe I can. And as I turned in this paper, I reached out to my coach and I said, you know what, let's take the audio drama off because I can't do that. And he said to me, Please don't tell me what you cannot do in the 90 days that you have to do it. You haven't even tried yet. And so um, thankfully, that was a disruption. I was so afraid of it. It took me to the last three weeks of this program to do it. And so I wrote it, I casted it, and I recorded it in three weeks <laughs> and um, distributed it. So and it sounds like that, but it is something that I'm very proud of. And it's, it's a really good story. I'm, I'm a great writer, so you'll, you'll see it. It's, a, it's hilarious. But anyway, or hear it, I should say. But I say that to say that without the audio drama, there would have been no Afros in audio. Without, without coaching, there would have been no Afros in audio. It's a, it's, a, it's a path, right? It's a path that I didn't even see, right? And I, and I truly believe in one of my other philosophies is as you manifest your vision of yourself, your vision will begin to manifest you, right? The only way you get in the game is to get off of the sidelines. And that's when things expand. That's when people show up that provide another opportunity, a new way of looking at things. And it changes your life. And that's what it takes. Yeah. You know, I just did another podcast with Tatiana Kuef, who 
left the corporate world and she's going through what we call a corporate detox, but she's also in this kind of expansion and she is getting into coaching, but it's also through this foundation of like what you're saying. So I love these conversations of manifestation and the stories we tell ourselves and the, you know, how we keep writing almost this, I can't do it in our brains. And where does that come from? Why does it lead us down this path? So I want to talk about how you actually had to step into another moment of yourself. You explained it to me in a way where you are called to the moment again as a coach and also a community provider. And this is something you had done, but for some reason, it just wasn't happening for you last year. Can you explain what happened in being called to the moment? Sure. Well, I mean, it's a thing. I mean, just creating events is a challenge. I remember 2019 when I decided to do Afros and Audio Podcast Festival. And again, I was a, it was a transition from an online community for audio dramas. That's it. And then someone said, you know, maybe you should do events. I feel like he meant a two-hour meetup. I left there saying I'm going to do a two-day event. But I didn't. the problem was I did not do a two-hour meetup or a two-day event. And so, so there were several times where I wanted to be like that uh, Homer Simpson meme where he goes back into the bushes like, Sorry, I said anything, right? Like, I don't know what I was thinking, for real. Like, I don't know why I thought I could do this. My bad. But there's there's just something about me, you know, and, and I thank my great-grandmother for the integrity that she put inside of me. I mean, other people that said we don't half-ass things. Like, you said it. You opened your mouth. <laughs> you did that. Not anybody else. And so we've got to figure this out, Right. And so that's what happened. You know, each year it's been a struggle. Each year I say, I cannot wait for this to get easier. It's still not easier, but I'm in a commitment. And so last year when the funds, what has happened in the past four years is that we get sponsorship and support and ticket sales and whatever difference is not there, I am in a commitment. So that means it comes out of my pockets. And so just so happened that by the fifth year, I was tapped and maxed on every single, single thing I had because for four years, I had been doing the same thing over and over again. And again, understanding that I've been growing with this, I've been an employee most of my life. I didn't know how to do this, right? The fact that I've been able to do it for five years is a testament to me, but, but, that also, again, competence and confidence thing, it's going to leave me in a space where like, why the hell do you keep doing this? Like, why, why, why are you doing this to yourself? You're not learning fast enough for me, bro. So it's like, it's stages to this. And so last year to, uh, to just sum it up, tap max can't do anything else out of my own pocket. I need support. And coming out of that 2015 of really, I feel like as I started my coaching, I was coming into a hero's journey bringing myself out of childhood trauma, adulthood trauma, you know, what I've done to myself, what others have done to me and what I've done to others, just coming out of that. And so this last 2023, when I had this situation where, okay, money is needed and money ain't here, what do we do? I had to speak up. If it's to be, it's up to me, right? And I'm like, yeah. And I, I've said that for years. If it's to be, it's up to me. In fact, when I went to podcast movement in 2021, it was a call and response that I did with the with the audience because it's true. Right. And so there is a space where 
there is no osmosis. There is no anything coming from the sky. If it's going to happen, it is up to me to make it happen. And then that brings in requesting support. And so I'm a big proponent and it's in my books and it's something that I, I coach. It's not fair to say you don't have support if you never reach for it. And a lot of times us as creatives, entrepreneurs or what have you, whether, whether it's shame, guilt, pride, ego, whatever it is, or simply just wanting to stay in our own space, introvert, what have you, looking to our right and our left for support is not the first option. And it hasn't been for me, but the only way this is going to happen is if I reach for support. And so that's what I did. Yeah. You bring up all the things that we don't talk about, which is, you know, the shame and the guilt. And especially, I think, from me being a woman of color, and I know a lot of people of color to ask, you know, it's almost like defeat instead of like, hey, you know, we need support. And it's weird. I always think that's a mindset that a lot of us have to change quickly, but you have to think about it to change it. Because a lot of us that are in entrepreneurial roles and we're trying to grow our business, we have to be comfortable about asking for the things that we need. And revenue is definitely one of them. But it's like, how do you approach that discussion, right? Because Things don't happen in this society without that. I mean, it takes a big community and we can keep passing the hat, right? As they say, you got to dig deep or we don't eat, right? And it's like how did that community kind of rally. But when it comes for other things, we have to go bigger and I think deeper. And it takes a lot of work. It's not easy. I know that for a fact. The journey's hard. And we try to say that we see you out there if you're struggling and there's a lot of support here. So with that, right, I want to talk about where that comes from, the responsibility. You and I are the same age. <laughs> we're Gen Xers. When you were talking about that rotary phone, I was like, oh, yeah, that was at my grandma's house. <laughs> I was like, do any of y'all know about those rotary phones? <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't I wasn't a baby. And it and it. Didn't go away for quite some time. So right, I, had, right? I had a full experience with it. <laughs> right. I remember my niece asking me one time because I still have records, right? I have I have vinyl. You and I share that affinity for vinyl. And uh, my niece, when she came over for the first time when she was younger, she's like, Thea, is this a big CD? Like, how does this work? And I was like, oh, my God, I feel so old. And this yes, is so I'm cute so at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like a CD. That's what she yeah. connected it right. to, you know what right. I mean? Now, anyway, so going into that, as we have younger siblings and relatives, and here we are, Gen Xers, we are the bridge between what that was to here we are today in the very technology savvy, empowered world where we are globally connected, like in seconds, things can spread quickly, lies and information or the hope and joy of community coming together, right? To support one another. Money moves across the globe. So, you know, how do we build a more bigger community and collective? But then people look at this country as a real democratic and very strength and very community oriented back, you know, in the day now it's become very fractured. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because of our experience in community together and separate. But you and I, and a lot of us do that are 
multi-generations, we have a responsibility from standing on the shoulders, you know, how we got here from others, their messages, their community work, their activism. You know, it's in my family. It sounds like it was in your family. And we have a responsibility, right? Especially if we have these platforms, which I don't see a lot of people doing that. So talk to me about what that means for you. Yeah, well, I think one, I mean, there's there's several things, but podcasting specifically, I think, it is so important that we increase the stories and the voices from all perspectives, from all walks of life. I don't mind what people call saturation. I don't mind what people say is not necessary for, um, like they want uh, men to stop buying mics, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of podcast bros uh, that that just say a whole bunch of nonsense, you know, but so does everyone else, right? That's a narrative that's going around. But the point is, is that I rather know what people are thinking than, than not personally, right? And and I also have the option to, if I don't like it, there are several other things that I can go and enjoy and so not to consume it. That's also an option. But I think as long as people exist in this world and in this society, then there gets to be a representation of them, no matter what the story is. Um, and so for me, podcasting is laying down a living record of who we are in this moment, from our perspectives, from our experiences, to the stories that we we deem important enough to tell. And that in and of itself is archival. You know, we're, we're archiving uh, this moment. And um, so that is super necessary, like completely just off the gate, right? Because even if you're not creating it for the world, it still gets to be this record. I have over 20 hours with my grandmother, who is 93 years old now, and it's it's a recognition. And I think we've talked about this before. It's almost like a language. Black American, I was born in Baltimore. People think I've been asked from Ethiopians, you know, are you from Ethiopia? And I'm like, no, I'm from Baltimore. But it's one of those things <laughs> where it's like the language and people who are from different countries, once it stops getting passed down, it stops in the family, you know, it stops. And um, it's the same with our stories. If we don't capture them, we don't understand. And if the last person who holds those stories leaves this earth as they eventually will, those stories are lost forever. And so those are important things, I think, for us to really understand and, uh, and capture. And audio is a great medium for that because it not only provides an opportunity um, to learn more about people in a format that doesn't take up my time where I'm sitting here reading or take up my time where I'm writing. I have a conversation and just to seal up the grandmother thing, she's she's like, you know, I have not thought about myself as a six-year-old with a dad and a mom in, in forever. I'm 90 years old. You know, I haven't thought about myself as a young mother with young children. And so how important it was even for her, right, to remember and recall. Podcasting and audio is, is really important in that way. And so I think that's a responsibility of us to keep pushing this medium out in the world to increase the voices, to increase the listeners. That's on us to do. And my responsibility to to the community, which I serve, whether it's my coaching or Afros and audio, is that I know what I'm here for, you know, and I know who I am. And because of that, then that allows me the opportunity to approach it a bit different than I see, you know, in this capitalistic society, 
where it is about the transaction and just really pour into people while also being very, very clear that I won't be doing it to my detriment and um, because I'm aware and that people get to also pour in and support me as well. Yeah, I admire that. And it's it's real on sharing the story and keeping the legacy going. So with that, we're going to end on you know, what you're doing now that you launched in December of last year called the Grumpy Wisdom Podcast, which I love that name. I love Grumpy Wisdom because, you know, I do have that, you know, I think sometimes it's a podcast. But tell me about it. Tell me what it is. Tell us what it's about. And yeah, that's like on top of everything else you're doing. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm doing a lot. And right now it's it's actually... The trailer's out. I haven't put any episodes out. Right now I'm doing the Black History Month interview series for Afros and Audio. And because there are 29 days in February and I have to drop an episode every day of February, (laughs) it's a lot. So and I started those interviews in December so that I could get ahead of it because last year I had the bright idea January uh, 15th. (laughs) My life sucked for, (laughs) for a long time. I was doing three, four interviews a day just to make it happen. So So, yeah, so Grumpy Wisdom is really about the fact that I am older. You know, I'm trying to stop saying I'm old because I'm, you know, it's only old unless you think it's old, right? 48 was old until I got there and I'm like, it ain't old. But, you know, I am I am a little grumpier in my life. And and grumpy just means that I, I have an awareness that I want folks to be able to move. My coaching company is called Forward Movement. We really get to break down these ways in which we've been socialized in this society that makes us doubt who we are, what we're capable of, and what is on the other side of scarcity. And what is on the other side of scarcity is abundance in every way. And so being grumpy is just really being the straightforward human that I am. No cut cards and really just saying, listen, if it's to be, it's up to me. If it's going to happen, it's up to you, right? And the other alternative is or not, or not. You can you can continue to be the trajectory of who you aren't. There's a lot of people's millions of us doing that. Or you can, you know, decide and uh, begin to do the work that it's going to take, right? Because again, it's not a flip of the switch. If it took me 40 years to get this way, it ain't going to take a year and a half to unlearn it, right? But it's a process and it's work. And so do your work, whatever it looks like. And the wisdom piece is that I've been around. I didn't did it. I didn't did most of it all. And I've had a lot of experiences and I'm continuing to have ex- experiences. Right now, my favorite thing to say is I'm an outdoorsman because I just got my outdoor leadership training so I can facilitate camping uh, trips for youth and hiking and stuff like that. And I love being outdoors. And sometimes I think I want to live outdoors. And then I realize that that's not true at all. So those are things I, I'm bringing my experiences and, and the fact that I am still experiencing, the fact that I'm still improving, the fact that I'm still doing my work. I don't sit in a space where my shit is together. I'm very clear that I still got a lot of shit to work on. But that's our good news, right? That we are always in this process of coming into being because, you know, I didn't know you uh, a year ago and now I do. And then what what happens now, right? Say it vice versa. But we won't know that unless we begin to move in the world accordingly. Like we're free people and we get to we get to have the experiences that we want here and now. That is hundred percent mic drop right there. Ending 
Latinas from the block to the boardroom. That is wonderful. I love that, Talib. And I love that we are not perfect. And the fact that you still say, even me too, we don't have our shit together, but we are moving forward and learning at the same time. And I, that's very powerful. So thank you for that wisdom, that grumpy wisdom today. <laughs> How can we find you? Where should we look for you as we close out here on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom? Sure. If you want to learn more about me, like my writing and all that good stuff, you can go to talibjasir.com. If you want to learn more about Afros and Audio, go to afrosandaudio.com. And I am on Instagram at talibjasir. And Afros and Audio is on all social media platforms, Afros and Audio. Thank you for that. And we'll also have the information in the show notes. So I appreciate your time today. And thanks for joining us here on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today, Talib. And we appreciate all your words of wisdom from socially conscious leadership to the power of storytelling and also the transformation that we can make by telling ourselves that we have the power within. So if you'd like to get in touch with Talib, you can reach him at talibjassar.com. And that is T-A-L-I-B-J-A-S-I-R.com for more information on how you can work with him virtually or in a speaker opportunity. You can also find Afros and Audio on Instagram, as well as LinkedIn, and you can find Talib on LinkedIn as well. If you'd like to learn more about Latinas from the block to the boardroom, please reach out to us at info at latinasb2b.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll find out more about events, workshops, and webinars that we'll be hosting throughout the year with our podcast guests and allies that wish to share their information and platforms that they are building today or policies that they are creating to help transform the nation for a better democracy. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with Latinas from the block to the boardroom in a sponsorship opportunity or networking event, please reach out to us at info at latinasb2b.com. Gracias.